All right, I gotta know. Yes, I'm about to activate it. No, 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 not that. What the hell does Cree mean? Well, actually, it means a lot of things. Um, loosely translated, it means uh, attention, listen up, concentrate. You who? Yes, in a manner of speaking. Huh. Okay. Here goes. and you who folks my name is andrew welcome to the cree you who podcast talking about stargate sg1 the episode in series th- season three pretense written by Catherine powers who does generally quite good work david worry smith directs and he's uh competent barely <laughs> i would i would rate him i'm sorry um it's uh, revisiting our old friends, season three. If season two was the season of exploring the whole good go old thing, season three is really the season of picking up old threads and developing a story based on them. Um, <laughs> more inventions from Macello, etc. <laughs> and these guys... The Tolan and the Knox, a big throwback to series one, which of course is where Catherine Powers was uh, originally writing. Anyway, let's get into it, shall we? Um, our planet, Death Glider, is flying around. It's under attack by Hatax, and there's some kind of gunfire from the planet. It blows them up, and plane go, plane go boom, it crashes on the surface, and holy shit. Yes, it's Scara. It's Chlorel. We don't quite know who. It seems to be the host speaking, which is a big turn up. Not a big turn up. A big turn up. Um, God damn it. Season three. Tis the season for taking out all of the stuff we started with in season one. <laughs> we have beaten Apophis, only for him to come back bigger than ever, but kind of alone and isolated. Uh... We took out Charay and Amonette, so now Daniel Jackson's lost that. Now we've got Scara back, and O'Neill can check out as well. There's no reason for Daniel or Jack to be carrying on in the Stargate program. <laughs> um, and of course, you've got to note immediately, this is exactly what uh, Apophis did. Uh, he crashed in a ship and said, help me. That's exactly what Chlorel's done now. He's crashed in a death glider and said, help me. Um, and the first time, it was a ruse. Um, Apophis knew he was dead anyway, so he might as well direct the evil attention of Sokar towards the Tauri. And now likewise, maybe Chlorel is doing the same thing, directing the evil attention of the Go'uld, Herawer, in this case, who owns the motherships, um, to the Tolan. So, yeah, there's one point for a push and swell on the please help me. Um, After the credits, we're back in the SGC, and the gate is opening with an unsecured incoming traveler, and there's a whole lot of gun cocking, just like season one in the movie. (laughs) Whole lot of gun cocking. Okay. (laughs) You only need to do that once, you know. Um, And who's coming through? 
the iris goes all wobbly and it's Schrodinger. And I haven't got Schrodinger on the list of uh, recurring beloved guest stars, but I'm going to give it the five wildcard points for that, and, and for Nareem, of course. You know, just Yeah, there's definitely worthy of five points there. <laughs> I speak, of course, of Schrodinger. Um, and immediately, the sexual tension between Carter and Nareem is back. They, the way they say, hello again, <laughs> just <laughs> completely lost in each other's eyes. Ten points there for that. And we speak of the triad. It is a trial. And it is on the new planet, Tolana. Remember the great confusion about the planet Tolan, where the people Tolan got their name, and then the new planet they go to is Tolana. <laughs> okay. And uh, we go to Tolana, and... Oh, they built a Stargate! <laughs> Damn! <laughs> so these guys are, like, manufacturing, like, knockoffs. They're... Best brand, you buy now. <laughs> Original Antaran uh, <laughs> Stargate technology. Cheap price, best in world, many percent off. <laughs> Some um, uh, badly translated Chinese store that's manufacturing off-brand Apple-compatible products. Um, good for them. Um, so they're walking around Tolana, and the music starts, and it's fucking vintage season one music of going ding 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 blunk 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 and you just know from the fucking season one style music that we're gonna be walking around hearing a lot about cultural stuff ugh shoot me <laughs> fucking telling us instead of showing us you know it's it's not great filmmaker. It's, it's not slick for the director, for the filmmakers here. It's labored, and this is vintage Catherine Powers and David Warry Smith. You've got to say it. This is... You'd expect nothing less from that combo of people. Just more of the two plus two is four. It takes us forever to add up this simple equation, explain every tiny little detail. Two plus two is four. Two plus two is four. Two plus two is four. <laughs> I can see why this is so popular. So they walk into the room with the thing, and they've got uh, gun scanning weapon disablers, which O'Neill has a problem with. A whole lot of snark about, the, you know, a lot of great O'Neill snark in this episode. Is that with a money back guarantee if you're not alive? <laughs> you know, and so on. Um, and uh, those of you who have watched ahead, uh, come, going into my favorite episode, Shades of Grey. Oh, you know that that uh, little gun scan is going to play an important part. So, my memory didn't serve very well. I keep, I keep thinking all of this stuff in Shades of Grey is just a one-off, amazing, great episode. But it's not. It's it's all been building to it through this this uh, the season. It's got Mayborn's plane. <laughs> you know, they gave him an episode earlier in the season, Foothold. To keep him in the story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all this good stuff. Another Tolan uh, weapon disabling thing. The whole we don't share technology. The strategic alliances with the Nox, etc., etc. Um, anywho, um, the Tolan also have this technology, the blue light thing that suppresses gold. Yes, and of course they're still not interested in sharing anything. The policy remains unchanged. 
So we got a little bit of a reunion with Daniel and Jack being chosen by Skara to represent him. And this this is interesting. Uh, quick quick tangent here. Quick pause. There's so many worldviews in this episode. That's the the thing that's interesting about it. The stuff that's boring about it is the walking around and the talking. What's good about it is that it is representing all these different worldviews. The Tolan obviously uh, see themselves as the ultimate be-all and end-all of civilization. We do not engage in offensive violence anymore. We have justice, which is going to be served out uh, in an impartial manner, ultimate civilized gesture, you know, there's not even an option for the death penalty. The Nox, even, they go, like, a few steps beyond that to say, well, we're not even gonna <laughs> acknowledge that we have a civilization, we're gonna make ourselves invisible and disappear and stuff, and we're not, definitely not going to cause anybody any harm ever, and we're gonna save all lives. That's a different way to go down the whole ultimate in, uh, enlightened civilization path. And then, of course, the Goa Uld dominate all. We are superior, and you think nothing of a rat or a rodent. This is how we think of you. You know, all of these, all of that argument. And then, of course, on the human side, O'Neill and Daniel. O'Neill is strong, but Daniel is wise. And these are two very different viewpoints. Daniel is the sort of human who is always looking up. Um, that's one of, you know, his character trait, his optimism, his what can we learn, his wide-brimmed hat, <laughs> as I have spoken about before in the episode uh, One False Step, especially. Daniel's always looking to see how we humans can raise ourselves up to the level of these ultimate enlightened beings. Tolan, the Nox, the Asgard, the Furlings, the Altarans. He's looking up. We should raise ourselves. We should learn. O'Neill, representing strength, the narrow-brimmed hat, the one <laughs> tenacious, narrow worldview. He's not even on the same page as Daniel. And this is what makes SG-1 great and gives it its strength is this diversity of viewpoints. Is that O'Neill reckons all of these people have gotten just a little bit too above and <laughs> high and mighty for them, their own good and thinks everyone should come down to his level just a little bit because O'Neill knows a squealer when he sees one and all of these enlightened civilizations are giving way too much credit to these sneaky little bastard golds. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, so, a big diversity of viewpoints in an episode, uh, which is, d does very little except talk for 40 minutes about these viewpoints. Um, cool, where were we? Back to the plot, huh? The High Council Lady introduces herself, and she has a name, but I'm just gonna call her Lady Galadriel, because when the Fellowship goes into <laughs> the woods of Lorien, um... That's basically the same thing. Here come the humans of the Tauri. You are welcome here in our borders. You will participate in my high council. And all of this is basically what it is. I am the Lady of Light. <laughs> uh, I will explain the Seekers and the Archons, etc. It's just 2 plus 2 equals 4 stuff here. Um... 
And so basically, <laughs> we've walked all around the houses here to end up with, oh, okay, this is a TV courtroom drama episode. <laughs> this is a the movie Primal Fear. Have you seen that one? It's the one where uh, Richard Gere is a lawyer with no morals, and he just he's defending this this uh, murder suspect who has a split personality, and he's saying, well, the innocent little kid inside isn't responsible, so you should let him go, he shouldn't get the death penalty, uh, and everyone hates him because he's defending a murderer. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, at the end of the movie, things get a little more chunky, and uh, it's not quite as simple as you expect, and you wonder who's really a good person in all of this courtroom nonsense, who am I defending and why, where are my ethics? And that's what we're doing in this episode. We've got a suspect, Chlorel slash Scaro, who's on trial, kind of. Um, both of them. And uh, <laughs> they got a split personality, kind of. Oof. Um, blah, 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 blah. Where did I get to? Where did I get to? Yeah. The um, defensive technology of the Tolan. We get a little bit of a tour and some exposition. Very... Very helpful and boring exposition about how their defensive technology is far in, far in advance of the gold, but we have never used it in several generations. Who comes to be the Akron for Chloral? It's this Captain Headdress guy. He has a name, but I've forgotten it. He, I'm just going to call him Captain Headdress. He's a cool, sneaky gold. He's very, very well cast as this pompous, full of himself, snarky, conniving shithead. Very, very well cast. So basically, then we get to, you know, we have the setup. This is what's going to happen in the episode. Then we go for a little briefing of, on our Team Tauri. And we get a little... Here's the situation. We basically don't trust the Tolans. They're not sharing anything. This whole having many sides of this argument is suspect because to the Tauri with a straightforward moral code. It's very obvious that the gold are evil, but it's stupid that they're even having this trial. I mean, they might take the wrong side. But then they have named the Nox as the neutral witness. And I gave it the remaining five wild card points here because it's Lyra, the sexiest alien I have ever seen. I love this lady. But uh, yeah, O'Neill knows a squealer when he sees one. He believes that the gold are not here to actually win the trial. They think he thinks they're here to um, do something else sneaky. In a <laughs> um, the trial begins, and all of the arguments go backwards and forwards. Abydos is gold property. The residents are gold slaves. Therefore, we are taking what is ours. But uh, Daniel's like going through it. So you would say you were a slave. You were born a slave, and you believe this is wrong. And, he, and if I've learned anything from TV courtroom dramas and. T and movie courtroom dramas it's that Daniel is clearly leading the witness here so it's a good thing this is a triad and not a trial because he wouldn't be able to point out any of the stuff that he points out at all you, the uh, gold would object and Lady Galadriel would have to say sustained leading the witness but uh, in the meantime because there's always a B plus <laughs> Sam and Teal'c are following the Jafar around on their sneaky little business. What are they up to, huh? They're tampering with the ion cannons, and it seems that O'Neill may have been right. This whole courtroom is out of order, and it's, uh, 
just a big filibuster, just wasting time until the sneaky tampering can take effect. And uh, back to the courtroom, Gold logic, we get the real exposition spoken from the mouth of the gold guy, we are superior. The host witnesses nothing, because nothing of the host survives. And, uh, yeah, O'Neill and Daniel, you stole it, you stole everything you have, you're stealing this man right now, you don't deserve any of it, you didn't earn it. Just like, uh, what's his name from Jurassic Park? Dr. Malcolm. If I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're, that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well, I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And we get to hear from the witness, Skara, what I suffer each day is a thousand torments and atrocities and worse than death yikes thanks for just expositioning that right into the episode instead of you know showing it you're telling us instead of showing us what if he was you know agitated or whatnot or suicidal you know just like give us something here that is not just words pouring out of the mouth of characters but hey that's Catherine Powers for you Ugh. I got a one push and swell point because um, the, I can't actually remember why where someone did it, but someone says they're gonna wipe, they're planning to wipe out the Tolan, and there's a push and swell on that. I got three points here because of the ion cannons that we kind of see and get more talk about them when we're investigating them. You know, Lady Galadriel saying we are invincible and infallible. I see no markings, no targets. The Ion Cannons are an obvious rip-off of the Ion Cannons from the planet Hoth in the movie The Empire Strikes Back. Thank you very much. We'll fire at the ships in orbit and punch a hole for the transports to escape, etc. And there's a good scene in the middle where Samantha Carter explains that... Oh, excuse me, is my coffee going down? Good morning, coffee. Um, Carter explains that she's been blended and is all confused on the inside and doesn't know what she feels because she's got two people's emotions in there. But uh, strongly hints that uh, <laughs> if not for that, I would jump right into Tolan bed with you, whatever that is. Maybe they don't sleep or something, they have holographic bunks or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the Tolans do. Um, and she, but she says to Nareem, you have to believe me. These guys are being sneaky and tampering with stuff. I saw them. You, ha you know, she's cashing in her chips here. Like, if you really love me, Mr. Nareem, you've got to believe me. And, uh, by the way, it's nice that Ormac is, Ormoc is not in this episode. I mean, he's a good character. Uh, you'll remember, he's the guy, um, who plays the very grouchy and crotchety leader of the Tolan in the episode Enigma, the very first one we meet them in, in series one. Um, he's obstinate even more than O'Neill. He says, fuck you, humans, at every single opportunity. Very, very obstinate old man. Um, and he keeps calling humans primitive. And um, 
he's not in this one. And I guess they had to kind of write out, the, write their way around that. You know, there's every um, every likelihood that he should be the one heading the trial. Sorry, the triad. You know, he's the leader, right? He's the head of the society. But if they did that, he you got to say it would be in character for him to ignore the Tauri and he wouldn't permit them to be selected as Ar Ar Archons, defense attorneys. Um, so they had to, like, sort of sub him out, substitute him out for this Lady Galadriel. And she's fine. Um, it's nice. It, we, we get more talk about Omak, Omak in the next time we saw, see the Tolan. It's between two fires. Um, we were, this is the last time we see him. I think that's series five, question mark. Um, but I don't believe he's in it. No, I think, I think he actually gets, he's involved in a murder or something like that. Anyway, anyway, back to the notes. Tilk. Regrettably, I must disagree with you, O'Neill. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Here's yet another worldview. You know, here's O'Neill and Daniel they're, they're on, as I've just gone into, you know, wisdom versus strength. They're on different wavelengths, but they're also sort of in one little group together. But then outside of that, encompassing both wisdom and strength is Teal'c, who has a third, uh, uh, how many are up to? One, a sixth viewpoint in this episode of saying we should pursue the trial. <laughs> we should uh, trust her both ourselves and we should also try to get their technology in but at the same time we shouldn't trust them completely and by the way I've seen some shit and I know these people better than even you O'Neill <laughs> you know, O'Neill while he never will trust a gold as far as he can kick him the Teal'c really doesn't you know? so even though O'Neill strongly he orders him on pain of whatever um to do not do anything else to jeopardize this trial. We're going to go through with this ridiculous thing. Teal'c's like, fuck you. You don't know the things I've seen, bitch. I, I just don't think you're being fair, Tyra. You, you don't know what it's like to grow up the way I grew up. You know what? How dare you? You don't know me. You have no idea where I come from, where I've been, how long I've been there, what I had to do to get from where I was to where I am now! So anyway, speaking of weird viewpoints, here comes one. O'Neill, back in the trial, says... Um, get Clarell out of there. You can put him in another host for all I care. Yikes, O'Neill. Bigger picture, bro. You gotta be focused on the species, ladies and gentlemen. That's a really weird thing to say. Because O'Neill's like, is he not bought in yet to the whole SGC mission of ridding the galaxy of the goal, not just his one friend? That's a weird comment. And right there I thought the only thing that would make that would make it make sense is if the Tauri are also filibustering. They're also playing a game of a delaying tactic and just, you know, saying any kind of argument to confuse the whole issue, the whole triad. Um, but it's not. That's not the case. It's not the case that Teal'c is secretly working to win the, win the ultimate game while they just keep playing the game in the trial. That's not at all. It's everyone's keeping things secret from each other. And here it's like, oh yeah, by the way, the episode's called Pretense, so nothing is as it seems, and everyone's like hiding and lying and pretending shit. So that was a very weird comment from O'Neill, put him in another host. 
Um, very, very strange. Nareem bursts in. There is a gold mothership. And O'Neill just, I told you so. <laughs> Don't say it. I told you so. <laughs> and Lyra has some speaking lines. Oh, where did I... I missed that part where, just a moment ago, Teal'c goes to Lyra and says, I don't want to talk about this fucking trial. <laughs> Triad. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here because you're the lady who makes things invisible. Precisely. At, anyway, end of the trial. She's voted in favor of Skara. Yay! And Galadriel accepts the... Makes the verdict, the judgment, and she locks the blue light. Skara will be freed... And uh, to be honest, I, I, of course, knew that Skara somehow got free and became Skara again, not Chlorel, uh, because he returns in season six for a very notable season finale. In fact, one of the greatest episodes of Stargate ever made. Um, but I did not remember how the hell they did it. <laughs> I vaguely assumed that sometime coming up, uh, the Tok'ra would capture him and extract him in some gruesome machine, and he would have to, you know, go through some torments and go, come on, Skara, you have to believe in it, you have to pull through for me, O'Neill. Next on McGarnagle. McGarnagle is framed for a crime he didn't commit, and only one witness can clear his name. A little sissy boy who's too scared to come forward. You gotta tell him what you saw, Billy. But I'm so scared, McGarnagle. You gotta do this one for me, Billy. McGarnagle. Okay. For you, McGarnagal. Well, McGarnagal, Billy is dead. They slit his throat from ear to ear. Hey, I'm trying to eat lunch here. <sighs> but I was wrong. This is how Skara escapes. Good on the Tolan. They are eternally friends. If only they could do it to all the other millions of gold symbiotes. If not... You know, this is a what we've learned about courtroom drama here is that this sets a legal precedent. So therefore, any other go or the Tolan encounter would have to, you know, refer back to this case and say, well, yep, we found in favor of the host, not the Go'uld, and this applies to all further cases until overruled by the Supreme Court or some shit. But the Tolan never quite get there. And I have to take a quick pause. Be right back. Real life has intruders, so I'll just wrap this up very, very quickly. Um, the trial is over. The dude pulls up the orb to cause destruction. Tilt does an awesome beatdown of this guy. And uh, the attack begins. The cannons get taken out. The gliders come and start blowing stuff up. And there's this scene that's... Um, it's actually in the opening credits. Some of this glider attack footage. The... Um, syndicated version. Anyway, five points because the Nox invisibility is used. Uh, Lai has made the cannon disappear and now reappear. Cannon go boom boom. Everything gets exploded and Teal'c has saved the day. Good lines at the end about if you were one of my subjects. But you are not one of my subjects. Buddy! I just want you to know that even though you tried to terminate me, revenge is not an idea we promote on my planet. Oh, well that's good. But we're not on my planet. Are we? No. And more good stuff about the Nox. I only hid the weapon. I did not fire it. Pacifism is a very <laughs> convoluted, slippery, moral slope. 
The toll honor indebted to us. Scar is free. Fuck yeah. What a great episode. 29 points. Thank you all so very much for listening.